You might open your Bibles now again to Philippians chapter 1. Passage Brother Wayne just read for us a few moments ago. I've titled the message this morning, The Life and Death of a Believer. I was sitting there thinking, this is the great burden in, in preaching. If we're not dealing with the issues of life and death, every time we preach, we're not preaching. This is the issue of life and death, the life and death of a believer. Paul says in verse 20, Philippians 1, According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I should be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ should be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or death. Every believer is not going to live the life of the Apostle Paul, do all the things that the Apostle Paul did in his ministry. But every believer has a life to live and a death to die. The death to time has been appointed by our God. None of us know when that time is, but it's already been appointed. And I think knowing that, the, the thing that would be good for us to do is make the most of the time that God has given us. You know, we won't do most of the things in a ministry that the Apostle Paul did, but we can do what the Apostle did here and pray that the Lord keep us faithful. Keep us faithful to Him. Keep us faithful to His gospel. Keep us faithful to one another. We can pray that the Lord gives us boldness to, to serve Him and to not back down, to believe Him and keep believing Him, to, to keep preaching and believing Christ and Christ alone, and to not get off on a tangent. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine this week, and he and I both, as we talked and discovered we have the, the same prayer for ourselves every day, Lord, don't let me get off on a tangent, but preach Christ. Preach Christ. Every opportunity that, that the Lord gives us. That's what Paul wanted. Now, Paul was in prison. and He didn't know if he was going to get out or not. You know, at that time, you think about what was what was going on there in, in Rome. They were throwing Christians to the lions for sport. They would dip Christians in, in tar and tie them to a pole. And in the evening, they'd light their bodies on fire to be used as, as streetlights up and down the streets of Rome. They would crucify Christians along the main public roads of, of Rome. They were trying to stop this new religion from, from spreading by scaring people away from it. You know, this is what happens to people that, uh, that go after this religion. So Paul didn't know if he was going to live or if he was going to die. And what's more, he said, if the choice were mine to live or die, I don't know which one I'd choose. He said, I just don't know. But either way, whether I live or die, Paul said, I want Christ to be glorified in my body, either by me living or by me dying. And I can tell you that is the way that I feel too. I'm sure every believer feels the exact same way. I want the Lord to use me for His glory. I've, it struck me um, when we go to Mexico before we eat, Brother Cody Groover prayed. This was always his prayer, part of his prayer. Lord, use us in your glory. Use us for, for your glory. In whatever little sphere of influence I have, I want... God did to enable what I do in this body that he's given me to be used for his glory, to, to point people to, to Christ. I mean, I want that, don't you, for my friends and my family? 
And I just don't know which I'd choose, life or death. And I'll tell you why it's a hard decision. Because you know what? Now the life of a believer is good stuff. It really is. A life of faith is a blessing. The life of faith in Christ is a blessing. Yes, there's trials and heartaches that come with it. The Lord told His disciples, in this world you shall have tribulation. And we have those. But there's blessings too. The blessing of faith in Christ. And the death of a believer. Well, that's good stuff too, isn't it? That's good stuff. It's so good that the Lord calls it precious to Him. That's why I read that in Psalm 116 to open the service. Almighty God says one of His children dies. He says, that's precious to me. It's good. That's not good for the, the loved ones left behind, is it? They sorrow, but it's all good for the believer. There's not one bad thing in it. Not one. Look what Paul says about that, verse 21. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not. If the choice were mine, Paul says, I just, I just don't know which I choose. Because the life of a believer, being able to live for Christ in his service, live a life of faith, that's good. And the death of a believer, well, that's even better. <laughs> he says, so if the choice were mine, I don't know which one I'd choose. Now, every believer can understand what Paul is saying here. Older believers can understand it better. I'll lose Luke as an example. Luke didn't get up today thinking, maybe this is the day Lord called me home. You didn't think that. Maybe this is the day I'll die. He didn't think that. And you know what? That's good. It's good that he didn't think that. There's a lot of things left for you to do, isn't there? You're married to the wife of your youth. you got a little daughter. Luke wants to raise that daughter. Luke wants to... To be there to, to teach her and support her and raise her. That's good. Look what Paul says in verse 24. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Luke, it's more needful for Michaela and Salem that you stay here a while. Be with it's more needful. Isn't it? So a young believer, they, they don't they don't they don't feel that way just yet. But an old, older believer. Now a younger believer can understand what Paul's saying. But oh, an older believer understands it well. Leaving this world to go be with Christ is far better than being left in a world of sin. An older believer understands that better because we've lived in this body of sin longer. We've lived in this world of sin longer. And the longer you live with it, the more tired you get of it. <laughs> the more ready that you are to leave it. Now, I guess I'm somewhere between three score and, and, and ten and Luke's age somewhere in between but now I have to tell you I'd like to live long enough to see the Lord save some of my loved ones I'd like to have some fellowship with them around, around the gospel I would I'd like to live long enough to, to pastor here see the Lord save our young ones see, see the Lord reveal his mercy and grace to, to folk young and old alike those that I care so much about I'd like to live long enough really just to do simple everyday stuff with Janet. Just whatever it is, you know, sitting and eating together. And we were sitting out on our back porch. If you've ever been to our house, you know, our, our backyard is very, very, very small. And Janet calls it our back 40. She thinks she's real funny, you know, because it's 40 feet, not 40 acres. We're sitting there looking at our back 40, you know. I'd like to do some more of that. 
I would. I'd like to go on some family vacations and uh, I like to do what we're going to do today. Get together and eat and have some fellowship and talk together. I like to grow old uh, listening to the gospel together. I mean, I, I, those are things that, that I'd like to do and, and those are good things to look forward to enjoying in this life. God's given them to you who believe. That, that's what those things he's given them for. But I tell you, I look forward to the time I can lay down this nature of sin and this body of sin. I'm, I'm getting pretty tired of it. I look forward, oh, how I look forward to waking in glory to see Christ the Savior face to face and be made just like Him. To face to face say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, I look forward to that. I look forward to worshiping without my sin distracting me. Don't you? So life or death, which will I choose? I don't know. And I'm thankful it's not my decision. <laughs> I'm thankful that those things are in the Lord's hand. Listen. It's best that the Lord make that decision. Because he won't make a mistake. I make a mistake in everything I do. He never made one. It's best those things be left in his hands. So I want us to look at the life of a believer. Why is it such a blessing? This life of faith, why is it such a blessing? I want us to, to be aware that there's something we can do to have this life be well spent. And now I want to show you why. Paul says the death of a believer is far better even than that. First, let's look at the life of a believer. The life of a believer is a blessing. Because it's a life lived without fear of condemnation of the law. How many people live fearing death and the judgment which is to follow? They live fearing it. A believer doesn't have to do that. If you have faith in Christ, you live without fear of condemnation of the law, without fear of death. A believer has spiritual life, eternal life. And you know why they have it? Because the Son of God died in their place. Woo! The Son of God died as a substitute for His people. God's elect lived because Christ died the death that we deserve. Now you think of the wonder of that. The wonder that, that the Son of God would die for the likes of us so that we would live. That's the life he's given us. The Lord Jesus took the sin of his people away from them and he made it his. He called it mine iniquity. He took the sin of his people into his own body upon the tree and he died. Because the penalty for sin is death. Christ died because that's what the law demands. Well now that sin can't condemn anyone for whom Christ died. Christ already died. The law is satisfied because Christ died the death that we deserve. That sin has been put away under the blood of Christ and God's justice demands everyone for whom Christ died live. Just like His justice demands death for sin, God's justice demands that all of His people live because Christ suffered condemnation for them. They have no sin left to condemn them. The blood of Christ put it away. They must live. Now that's the life God's given you to believe. Now that ought to make us thankful every day. We have life because Christ died in our place. 
And because of the death of Christ, believers don't live under the threat of the law or the rule of the law. The sword of the law isn't constantly hanging over our heads waiting to fall and chop our heads off, you know. We don't live a fear, fear of the law. We don't live under the law at all. But the believer lives a life of grace. Look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law. You're under grace. The believer's life is a life lived under the grace of God. Under the grace, because Christ died as our substitute. All right, next look at Galatians chapter 2. The life of a believer is a blessing because the believer's life is Christ living in us. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, Paul says he's dead with Christ. This is what he means. Christ died for me. He died the death that I deserve for my sin. Now, this thing of Christ dying for me, it's more than a legal transaction. Now, there was a legal transaction that took place there. The blood of Christ paid the sin debt of his people. That, that price must be paid. But Paul saying I'm crucified with Christ means a whole lot more than that. It means that when Christ died, I died in him. When he lived, I lived in him. When he died, I died in him. When he rose, I rose in him. That's the very first thing a believer does in, in, in confessing Christ, doesn't it? In believer's baptism. This is what we're confessing. I was in Christ. This is the hope of my salvation. When he lived and he obeyed the law, I did too. Because I was in him. When he suffered and died for, the, for my sin, I died in him. The law is not hunting me anymore. Justice is not hunting me anymore. I already died in Christ. And when he arose, I arose in him. I rose to new life in him. Christ is my federal head. I did what he did. So I've already died to the law in Christ. Now since I died, the law has no more demand on me. None. Because Christ fulfilled every demand of the law. The law says the soul that sins, it must die. I died. I died in Christ. I was crucified in Him. And the law satisfied. The law doesn't have any more demand that I die because I died in Christ. Even man's law does that. You know, a murderer is condemned to die and he's put to death in the death chamber and the law says, I'm satisfied. Now, all the time they held that guy on death row, they never would release his body to the family, would they? (laughs) Once he dies... They do. He's, his body is... Because the law is satisfied. Now, I'm dead with Christ. I died in Him. I died to satisfy the law when I died in Christ. Yet I live. Here I am, I live. I live spiritually. And Paul says, it's not just me that lives. It's Christ in me. Christ in, it is my life. That new man has been born to me is Christ. The life of Christ is in me. 
and the spiritual life that I'm living. I live by the faith of Christ. You know, as Paul says there, I live that by the faith of the Son of God. Yes, it's faith in Christ. That's how I lay hold on, on, on life. That's how I lay hold on Christ. But I live because of the faith of Christ. The faithfulness of Christ to do everything it took to save my sinful soul and satisfy God's law and God's justice for me. Christ is our life. And he lives in the hearts of his people. Now that's a blessing. That's a blessing. All right, thirdly, look at Colossians chapter 1. The life of a believer is a blessing because Christ in us is our hope of glory. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is... Christ in you, the hope of glory. I tell you so often, this word hope here doesn't mean I hope it doesn't rain today. I don't know if it will or not. That's not what it means. It means an expectation. And a believer has an expectation by faith. A believer can expect some things because we believe Christ. We can expect Him to do what He said He's going to do, can't we? We can expect salvation in Him if His blood truly cleanses us from all sin, there's some things we can expect because we trust our soul to Christ. Now, I don't know what's going to happen between now and the day that I die. But I tell you what, I fully expect at that moment when I die to open my eyes in glory and to awake in the likeness of Christ the Savior and be satisfied. And be satisfied. I really do expect to live in a sinless body, in a sinless world, worshiping Christ eternally in heaven. Now, my human mind can't grasp that, can't get around that, but I expect it. I surely do. I expect to see Christ the Savior face to face. And you do too if you believe me. And it's, it's not wrong to expect that. Now, I think it's fair to always kind of look at myself and think, well, is that presumption? Am I just presuming something? Or is that confidence? Which is it? Well, that's presumption. If any of our hope is based on what I do or what I don't do. It's presumption if I think, well, it'll turn out all right in the end. I mean, I don't know how God will do it, but God's got a plan, you know. It's going to turn, I don't know how he's going to do it, but it'll turn out all right. That's presumption. It's presumption if you think God is so loving he won't send somebody like me to hell. I mean, he'll send somebody like Hitler or whatever, you know, but now he's not going to send me to hell. That's presumption. That's presumption on the character of God. But this is holy confidence if your faith and your trust is in Christ. See, Christ is, Christ personally is our hope. And the believer's expectation to appear in glory is completely and totally based on who the Lord Jesus Christ is. He's the Lord, our righteousness. Our hope is based on what he's accomplished for his people. Since he's the son of God, he has the power, the holiness, the righteousness, the love, the compassion, the ability to save his people from their sin. 
and I trust him to do it. Christ sacrificed himself for his people. And when he did, I want to tell you something, he saved everybody he intended to save. He went trying to save people who are going to perish. He saved everybody that he intended to save. Now, believing that the blood of Christ put away my sin is not presumption. It's faith. It's faith. If Christ died for me. Matter of fact, it's wrong for me not to believe it. It's wrong. The Lord Jesus prayed. He said, Father, I will. I better not pray that way. You better not pray that way. But the Savior did. The Son of God did. Father, I will. That all those whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. That they may behold my glory. Now that's not presumption to assume that that's true. To believe that that's going to happen. I believe that the Father is going to give Christ the mediator everything he asks. Because his mediation is always based on his blood on his sacrifice, on his righteousness, on his person. And the Father's going to accept him. He always accepts the blood of Christ. He always accepts his person. He always accepts his righteousness. It's not presumption to believe the Father's going to give his son everything he asked for. That's faith. <laughs> it's faith in Christ. How can the Father not give the son what he asked for? He pleased his Father well. He pleased him well. Our faith, that's who our, that, our hope, our confidence is in Him. And Paul describes salvation in the book of Galatians as Christ being formed in you. In you. See, Christ is our hope. All of our hope of glory, all of our expectation of salvation, eternal life, it's all based on the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? It can't be based on anything I've done. It's all based on Him. Well, Christ in you, why is that so important? Christ in you is the evidence that God saved you. See, salvation is a whole lot more than a legal transaction. Like I said a minute ago, it is a legal transaction. That legal payment had to be made. The blood had to be shed to ratify the atonement or the, the covenant. It had to be. But salvation is a whole lot more than a legal transaction. There's got to be a new nature. God's got to give a new nature. And if Christ dwells in your heart, God's given you the down payment of what's coming. He's given you the down payment of the glory that is to come. Now, what a precious gift it is to go through this life, this, this veil of tears, with a good hope. With a good hope of the glory that's coming because God's given me the down payment. That's a blessing, isn't it? Here's how this life, the life of a, it's a blessing, the life of a believer. Here's how it can be well spent. It's by living for God. We're born by God to live for God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 15. And that he died for all, that they which live, shall henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. You know, the life of a believer is a blessing, and it's well spent if we live that life for Christ. We're to live unto him. 
to everybody, I don't care who they are, believer, unbeliever, religious person, heathen, whatever they are, everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to be happy. I'm talking just to believers now. You know how to be happy? I'll tell you. Quit living your life for yourself and start living it for Christ. Unto him that sacrificed himself for you. A, a believer is going to be happy living for Christ, living for the glory of Christ, seeking his, the, the good of his cause and the good of his people, not just mine. If I live my life just trying to be happy and seeking whatever it is to, to make me happy, I'm going to be miserable because it'll never work. But if I live trying to make somebody else happy, trying to be a blessing to God's people, a believer will be happy in that. A life well lived is a life lived for the glory of Christ. It's seeking to be a blessing to others. Now, this is just a kind of an aside. I wish we'd all take this to heart and seek to be a blessing to others. But if you can't be a blessing to others, at least don't be a discouragement. By your, your bad attitude and anger and anger about everything and criticizing everybody. It is a thing in our society today to look. I mean, just for every sentence somebody says, looking for some reason to be offended. This is just being critical. Just, and it, I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but I'm, I'm sure this is true. The people who are the most critical, spend the most time critiquing everybody else are the people that do the least. If you can't be, that's just so, so discouraging. If you can't be a blessing to somebody, at least don't be a discouragement. You know, at least keep your mouth shut. A believer is going to be happy living for Christ, living for the good of God's people. It's to have a life that's motivated by Christ's glory, not mine. Not seeking my glory, not seeking my recognition, but seeking His glory. It's a life lived seeking not what not what is. I want, or you know, it's seeking to make somebody else happy. What, what is good for somebody else? What's good for God's people? It's a life lived following the way of Christ. Now, what's the way of Christ? It's a life of faith, looking to Him, believing on Him, clinging to Him. Look back here at Philippians one, our text here, verse twenty-four. Paul says, "Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh." It's more needful for you. It's more needful for you right now. He said, I stay and preach Christ to you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. See, this is if Paul's going to live, this is what he wants. I want to, to be able to help you for the furtherance of your joy and of your faith. Everybody knows people like this. The room's better off when they leave it. Everybody knows somebody like that. Don't be that guy. Make the room better off when you come into it. Seeking the furtherance of somebody's joy and the faith of our brethren. That'll make you happy. If you're a believer, I promise you, that'll make you happy. And it'll be a life well lived. That's a pretty good thing, isn't it? The life of faith. But now the death of a believer. Paul says, as good as the life of faith is for God's people, the death of a believer is better Far better, he says, than living in the flesh. You know, a believer actually gains when we die. 
It's all gain to the believer. The death of a believer is far better than the life in this flesh because when we die, we gain the release of sin. We gain the release of a sin nature. We're finally set free from this old man. We gain the release from all the effects of sin. When a believer dies, we gain freedom from fear and doubt. We gain fear from pain and tears. We gain freedom from grief and worry. When we die, the believer gains freedom from weak faith. Matter of fact, we gain freedom from faith at all. Because then we won't need faith anymore. We'll see him face to face. We're, we're done with this weak face. There's no more seen through a glass darkly. We'll see him face to face. The death of a believer is far better. Because when we gain, leave this life, you know what we gain? We gain the bliss of seeing Christ face to face and being made just like him. No, no more like Adam, made just like Christ. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The death of a believer is far better. Because while we do leave the fellowship of our loved ones behind, when we die, we gain. We gain fellowship with Christ himself. Now I can say that sentence you can understand what the words mean. We can't even begin to lay hold on the bliss of that statement. To have fellowship with Christ Himself. To have the eternal joy, the eternal peace of being with Christ, the joy of beholding His face. See, the believer... This was, was the first thing I said. The life of a believer is such a blessing because it's a life lived without fear, without fear of death. The believer doesn't need to fear death. Not at all. For the believer, death is all gain and no loss. Well, except the losses and things you like to get rid of. The loss of sin. The loss of pain. The loss of sorrow. Tears, a loss of weak faith, the loss of loneliness, and we gain perfect righteousness, holiness. We gain the joy and bliss of being with Christ. I tell you, I'd make that trade every day of the week and twice on Sunday, wouldn't you? So, this is why Paul says, I don't know what I choose because I just don't know what's best for me. I don't know. Continuing to live here on earth and trying to help God's people, that's a blessing to me. Or departing and being with Christ, that's far better. That's far better. I just can't decide. And I'm thankful I don't have to. My God will decide. I believe this will be a help and an encouragement to you. My God, who loves me, who chose me, in Christ, who redeemed me by his own precious blood, who called me by his gospel, who gave me life and dwelt in my heart, who kept me all my life long by the power of faith, by the power of his grace. The one who did all that, that's the one I want deciding my times here, don't you? 
He's always done everything else's best for me. Then the day of my death, that'll be best for me too. Because he won't make a mistake. That'll be best. Now until then, since he oh, when you when you consider what God's done for you, when you consider the 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 blessing of redemption in Christ Jesus that you live because Christ died for you. When you consider everything God's ever done to you, for you, around you as being good. How can you not want to live for Him? And live for His glory. Live for the cause of His gospel. If the Lord enable us to do that, it'll be a life well spent. And it'll help us look forward even more to that day which is far better. The day the Lord calls us home. All right. We're going to have a dinner after the immediately following the service here to honor our high school graduate, Riley Cook. Riley is just an exceptional young man, and I'm very thankful that he's ours. And so I pray God go with you. Everywhere you go, I pray God go with you, lead you and guide you, and... uh, Every chance you get, you come right back here. Now, you know the, the drill. The male set up tables, and the Riley gets to go through line first. So you watch him, and when he starts going, then you can go through line two, okay? Let's bow together. Our Father, how we thank you for your gospel. Oh, how we thank you for your mercy and your grace that gives life. Life to your people through the death of your darling son. Father, how we thank you. Father, I pray that you give each heart here this morning faith to believe in and trust in our Lord Jesus Christ, to look to him and find in him everything we need, everything that God requires of us. Father, cause us to to live our lives looking to, depending on Christ and doing it for his glory, to seek ways to live for his glory, for the furtherance of the gospel, that your people might continue to be called out and saved and comforted and edified. Make us faithful to serve the cause of Christ to our generation as others have done for us in the past. Father, we thank you for this food that we're about to eat. We thank you for this time of celebration we have to honor Riley. Father, I pray your richest blessings be upon him as he goes off to school and begins his military training. Father, be with him in a a special way. Watch over him. Everywhere he goes, Father, lead him, guide him, and have your hand of mercy and protection upon him always. Go with him, we pray. All these things we ask, and we give thanks in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. All right, Sean.